Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. My brain was saying Paul Thomas Anderson. And I was like, that's not right. <laughs> it's sometimes unfortunate that people can't see us because Evan had this arm flailing that really added to the that's not right. And you'll never get that on, on the podcast. I think the mic still picked it up. <laughs> don't, don't cut that. Don't, I, I, I'm not cutting any of this brilliant intro. <laughs> Speaking of intros, Hi. This is episode 11 of the Handsome Hockey Podcast. We are here today from the abode of Evan. Evan is sitting across from me. Hi, I'm Evan. Hi. All amps go to 11. (laughs) Hi, I am Jake, and we are happy to be with you once again. We've got just a few topics today to hit up with you. Or... That was fucking terrible. Hit, hit you up with? Hit you up I, with. I, I don't know hit exactly. him up style. We've. I don't know anything. We are going to knock you up with three important topics today. <laughs> We're going to get you pregnant with three important <laughs> topics. Mind pregnant. Mind pregnant. Knowledge pregnant. Just like burrito pregnant, but oh, the opposite part of the body. I love food babies. They, they stop going away so much in your 30s, though. Yeah, they start sticking around. Yeah, I have a permanent food baby now. Uh, anyways, our three we've got we're gonna cover the big news, the big reliefs of the NHL is that they have gotten over their impasse, the NHL and the NHLPA, uh, the Players Association, and we are working close. We are close to having an announcement for a 2021 season. The initial prospects are it's starting January 13th. We'll get more in depth on that in a few minutes here. We also want to talk briefly about hockey and COVID. The Obviously, the playoff bubble was a huge success. Zero cases, uh, zero positive tests, over 36,000 tests or something like that. Yeah, it's still a, pretty amazing. It's, it's extremely amazing. And we're going into a season now where teams are going to be expected to travel. So that presents an entirely new set of challenges. So we're going to touch on the impact of COVID in hockey. We're going to share some stories, uh, both personal and impersonal. And we're going <laughs> to just talk briefly about the impacts that the pandemic has had on the sport of hockey. And then, you know, we're going to go to a not so light topic after that uh, and talk about, you know, kind of making sports inclusive for people requires, you know, retooling a lot of the language and, as long as evidence sports, you know, sort of rape analogies and rape talk has kind of been central to a lot of the talking. And, you know, what, what can we do to, about that? What, what can we do to remove that and address that problem in general? With that said, we're going to continue. It the came out. <laughs> the big news. The I grand think. reopening. <laughs> it's like a Macy's, but sports. Early in the week. Uh, I believe Pierre Lebrun was the first to break the story that the NHL and the NHLPA had put aside their financial issues and had decided to move toward move forward towards having a season in 2021. Early details coming out are a start date of an optimistic, I think, start date of January 13th and playing a 56 game season 
There are still some hurdles left to go, and they're hoping to have an announcement by the end of this week. It's Thursday now, maybe by Friday, but probably sometime next week, talking about the particulars, the COVID testing that they'll have to do, beginning of training camps, and all sorts of logistical nightmares and logistical hurdles, I should say, that will have to go into creating and making a season actually happen. Yeah, it's really interesting to see this announced, and the particulars especially... I think you got it right on the nose in our last segment. You know, you said we're going to do an abridged season and they're going to start as soon as possible. And that's exactly what's happening. So the 13th date, I don't know for sure, but is that, is that camp or is that that's game season? They're talking camps will be two weeks and start at the end of December. Okay. Earlier in the off season or maybe towards the end of the playoffs, there was talk that the seven teams who got left out of the playoffs were going to get an extended training camp, maybe by two weeks. Right. That's obviously not going to happen, but they are talking about maybe giving them two to three more days with their teams. Oh, okay. Which doesn't seem like a lot, but when you haven't played in nine months, two or three days might be really beneficial. Yeah, especially with your teammates and for the younger players. 56 games, like it's sort of a get right season. They're trying to set up the next season to, you know, be a little bit more regular. So sure, maybe abridge that and tack it on at the end of the season because the teams that were bad and didn't make the playoffs this year, I would sort of expect more or less the same teams to kind of do similar uh, after 56 games. So, you know, I feel like the same teams are going to be in the same position afterwards. So probably no harm, no foul. I I don't think we're going to see any worst to first type of years this year. Uh, You rarely see that in hockey anyways. It's usually Mm -hmm. you've you've got Colorado, which is kind of the best benchmark for that in Mm -hmm. the last 15, 20 years, but that took two years, you know, they, and they still haven't won the thing. So we are going to see better at the bottom end. I think, I think Ottawa got better. Detroit got better. Buffalo got better. Yeah, there is, a lot, yeah, there's going to be a little bit more parity probably at the bottom of the league. And, you know, there's how many teams in the hunt, you know, uh, we're probably going to see a couple teams drop out of contention. I, I feel like that's going to be the, you know, the additional story, right? Yeah. The hope is that by them scheduling only 56 games, because you're going to lose games to COVID, right? You're going to have to find mm-hmm. a way to make those up. And hopefully they're building in enough gaps or time at the end of the season in order to fill those, fill, make sure everybody plays the same amount of games. Yeah. Do you know if they're doing the whole bye week thing? I, I, I don't think that's been announced yet. So I'm waiting for, we'll, we'll have to wait for more details. And maybe that's something we're talking about next week as the details have come out that we can, can display to the world and we'll be able to talk about it then. But I think we're, we're kind of short on details right now. The biggest story here, I think, is the major hangup that existed was that owners had asked the Players Association and the players to a further 10% salary deferment for this year. And that's on top of the deferment that they already accepted for doing the playoffs last year. The owners and Gary Bettman asked the players to give up another 10% of their salary on top of what they had already given up. Well, they're not giving it up. They'll They'll get paid eventually. Right. But that's a lot of deferred salary. And the union, rightfully so, said, no. <laughs> we already dealt with this. No, fuck off. Yeah. yeah, they said, we agreed to something five months ago. We're not, we're not redoing this. 
And so the sides kind of like came together and walked away. And yeah, the owners are like, at least we tried. Yeah, they they pr- tried to play in the press that they were the poor, poor owners and we just want to give you hockey and the players hate you. Like, I wish we could turn around and blame like a couple specific owners for it. But, you know, they all just... Eugene Melnick? Yeah, right. Like, they all just sort of get lumped into one. And like, you also know that like the Coyotes are doing what they have to do. You know, like, yeah. they're just trying to survive. Yes, yeah. a coyote does in the desert. Maybe they shouldn't. Maybe they should go to Quebec. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So the players came back and said, okay, we'll take this 10% deferment in payments, but we want these things. Chief among them was raising the salary cap. And the mm-hmm. owners went, hell no, we'll just go as is. Right. And Which was a perfect bargaining chip. It really was. Part, because yeah. that's hamstrung a lot of teams. That's hamstrung a lot of players. Like That has so many you know, downstream consequences. Yes. That's actually one of the few cases where it would have trickled down to the players. Trickle down economics is bullshit, but <laughs> in this case, it might have worked. It's really trickling down amongst players, from yes. older players to younger players. You know, yes. Like from the wire. <laughs> Piss trickles downhill. <laughs> or like every time you've stumbled drunkenly out of your tent and peed in the wrong direction. The owners essentially blinked. And And thank God. Yes. Thank God for us who are trying to start a hockey podcast. We might actually have hockey to talk about. The big thing here, though, is this is the first time that an ownership group has blinked to the demands of a players union, like in a substantive way. We've seen minor concessions thrown out. Uh, The players in the last collective bargaining got an increase in escrow. But we've never seen this sort of swordsmanship, gamesmanship from a union actually pay off. As somebody who is part of a trade union is, you know, comes from a union family, my my blue collar identity mm-hmm. was thrilled by this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like even if it was amongst union wins. Even if it was millionaires screwing billionaires, <laughs> I'm still happy about it because at least in this equation the little guy won it's like fox news talking shit to the murdochs yes yeah (laughs) take that person who bankrolls all of us you jerk yeah good for them and you know i think the owners had to know what there was too much at stake you know like this is already a very fragile situation you can't lose a third season or a second and a half season in 20 years you just can't. You can't, like if you want to. If you're serious about growing your game and you know making more money, what? you can't cancel another entire season. Yeah, so uh, you get a sense that the owners did maybe see the long view, and that this would help them in the long run better than it would hurt them. But I don't know. Maybe that's me rationalizing too much. And honestly, any of these owners who are telling you that they're hurting for money. Go bite a dick. <laughs> like, Wait, who actually who owns the coyotes now? Uh, Larry down it, the street. It could be us. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not seeing yeah, any do, money. But do the, the U.S. Coy- taxpayers own the coyotes. I don't. I'm not seeing any money for it. But I don't think the coyotes are making any money. So, well, uh, that's kind of funny. Like, sports teams make money fucking hand over fist. So, 
why don't we have a publicly owned sports team? Like, why don't we take over? You mean the like Capitals? the Green Bay Packers? No, that's fake. Yes, I agree. You give paper stock. I've seen it. And I remember as a kid, I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then I found out it was all a lie. Yeah. And as a Bears fan, that made me happy. But um, yeah, like, why, why don't we socialize the capitals? And and Quebec, the state of Canada, can, can t- like take over the Nordiques. Like, it would probably do better than most of the pool of public investments. I mean, it wouldn't get fucking sold off to uh, hedge funds and then systematically tanked and which is funny because the owner one of the two owners of the coyotes is a hedge fund manager uh and the owners of the coyotes are a an american hedge fund manager and a cuban american billionaire who holds business interests in banking real estate media restaurants food because and everything yeah Uh, it's like business guys just own stuff yeah he's just yeah because they can, and that's fun. Um, I would like one stuff. Can I get? Can I just have one stuff, please? I'll do stuff with it. I own my car, and I've rented out my car before. Yeah, that's actually not a bad way. But my current car is a little too needy, and I'm like afraid to do that. Yeah, you've got a you've got a temperamental beast. It's like a cat. Sometimes really likes to play. It purrs. Sometimes it just really wants you to leave it alone. It mostly doesn't want you inside of it. <laughs> oh, ooh, ooh. That's not what I <laughs> meant. Oh, boy. No, nah, that was good. This is awkward. Uh, so it's hockey like that, and... Co- it's like that Nick Kroll joke, like, no matter where you are, a cat, or no matter where a cat's asshole is, it is always at eye level. <laughs> That's significantly true. And, and like, whenever I'm on the couch, like, my cat just jumps on me and just puts it asshole at my level. Like, okay. <laughs> so anyways... We're going to see some hockey hopefully here in about a month and it's going to be sweet and right when we get kicked out of our apartments. Yes. Right when we get kicked out of our apartments because we haven't been taken care of by the government, we're going to hopefully be sitting around our fire barrels in the middle of the streets in downtown Portland. But we'll be streaming hockey because it'll be $5. And also we have maybe be $5. We're on our parents unlimited plans and we (laughs) (laughs) we can watch all the hockey we want. Thanks Verizon. Yeah. But hey, they have the most 5G. So say a few commercials. I'm trying to get that injected soon. 5G? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's a microchip they put in you. Whatever. As long as my cell phone reception gets better. With a vaccine that we're all going to fight against because we all want to continue dying of COVID, which is a great segue to our next subject, hockey and COVID. Two things that go very well together. Uh, so COVID. It's kind of insane that people are still playing hockey in America. You can't stop them. Sports in general. Yeah, but hockey is special. Like, that's the thing that has kind of come out from the science. And what's kind of been a little nuts to me is is the CDC essentially has shown that ice and roller hockey indoors is especially extra dangerous. The cold, uh, apparently, you know, heat helps dissipate this virus and the cold keeps it alive the longest. And the way it works out is that Apparently, the you know close to the ice, moisture condenses down, and then above, kind of ten feet above the ice, you know you have natural sort of heat rising, stack effect, ventilation. But the geomet the yeah the geometrics of the the ring keep the virus like at face level, like there's this concentration of moisture where the virus 
likely flourishes and you're, you know, you're expelling a lot of moisture. You're, you're exerting a lot of energy. You're next to each other on the bench, still breathing heavily. Like, you know, I think we know better now than to actually be playing hockey, but a lot of people still are. Every time I see a player like snot rocket onto the ice this season, I'm going to have a cringe moment. I do that when I'm running and I still feel bad. When I'm the few times that I do run, whenever I am going to snot rocket, I the term snot rocket is universal, right? I call it farmer johnning, but yeah. That I've never heard before. That's that must be a that must be an Illinois thing. It might be an Iowa thing. Oh, yeah. Kansas, mm, Nebraska. Corn country, man. Corn country. Uh which is probably like a dating website. <laughs> uh but so snot rocketing for the uninitiated, it's just holding one nostril closed and blowing as hard as you can I, to get everything out of the other nostril. I don't think you actually needed to explain that. Like, I th- I feel like it was sort of clear, but, uh, you know. Well, you know, just in case, for the uninitiated. <laughs> for the uncultured. Uh, yeah, for, for the those low people uh, <laughs> who don't blow snot out of their it, nose like in public. Some rich person's like, who the fuck are these guys? Like, I have no idea what where this is. My, is. my servant doesn't come and blow my nose for me. So when running, I would always make sure to be not around anybody like within several blocks. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'd be like scoping out like a creeper. Yeah. For, and it's not, and it's not for me to like get into a house and steal a TV. <laughs> it's so I can blow snot into some bushes without anybody seeing me and caught and accosting me for it. And just like generally avoid the people like that's become the, uh, you know, that's the athleticism training is, is crossing the street when you see someone coming up the block away or like everybody who's been running in a city during the pandemic has had that moment where you want to run into the street to avoid the pedestrian coming the other way, mm-hmm. but there's also a car coming. Mm-hmm. So you have to at like the last possible healthy second dive into the street after the car passes, but before the human gets to you. Otherwise you've just contaminated some poor soul, even though you yourself don't have COVID. Right. Yeah. You're the one breathing heavy. They're just walking. You're the one like spewing that cesspool breath all over them. So Evan, you you know this story better than I do. So I'll let you tell of this uh, Texas man, but I think you're right. The, the, the conditions of hockey are such that it's a super spreader event in every game or the potential is there. They've essentially shown us through a couple of different models episodes. Really? There's a potential. If somebody, if one person has COVID, you're probably all going to get it. We unfortunately said goodbye to Tyler Ambergy. who was a 29 year old coach in Texas and he came down with symptoms and kind of tried to gut through it like a lot of people do and then eventually succumb to the disease. And it's still hard to find the right words to say because, I mean, this you see pictures of this guy and he looks like the epitome of health and the tall, young, strapping man. And you still don't know what exactly kills healthy people very quickly with this virus, but goddamn, it, it works some time. And so, uh, yeah... It, the, I think the story was that the only possible exposure, I think, was to his his uh, youth team. And they were taking precautions, and, and it was clear that it was on ice exposure. Uh, there have been a couple other you know, incidents where hockey coaches or hockey players have 
you know, contracted COVID en masse and punny, you should say that, uh, you know, one of the ones I heard about was in Massachusetts and someone was writing that they had a particular issue in the Northeast with hockey playing and that, you know, uh, players would jurisdiction shop because you're a high level hockey player. You're looking to continue your career, whatever it takes this year. You know, you want to get tape, you want to get scouted, you want to get, you know, game the next film. level. Yeah, right. You want to get game film in the right people's hands. And so it creates this kind of perverse incentive in that you, you know, you go looking for the state that's the least responsible so you can play the sports in and get the look you want. And I don't know, it, we've seen it in a bunch of different sports in Oregon, especially like half of our football players like fled to Idaho. Yep. Or high school football players. And so I, in the Northeast, when there's there's a ton of hockey and it's like kind of state to state and you have some more conservative states like Maine, you know, these players are going where they can play. Right. And if it's only 100 miles from home, maybe you're going home more frequently. You know, you want to see your parents. And so, you know, the hockey culture in the Northeast and elsewhere, like I'm sure is on some level perpetuating COVID, you know, tournament based kids, parents, like I know people that are still flying to other States to go play hockey. And yeah, it's a little insane to me. Like I understand, you know, you have kids, you have to entertain them. Otherwise they will kill you. But like either physically or emotionally, they will kill you. Yeah. Distancing and, and whatnot. But like that seems insane to me that I would that that, that would be comfortable for people while I think Evan and I are both extremely excited that hockey is coming back we're not excited for ourselves like to play hockey uh, I know mm-hmm. I'm I'm done until I'm vaccinated like definitely I'm not I'm not yeah chance it I may play outside once or twice between now and then and but still you know, I, since I'm traveling, like I'm taking a break from that. And there was a time that they like restarted hockey briefly with masks. And I was like, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to ref and also be mask police. And I knew that's what refing would devolve into. Yes. Americans are also really stupid with masks. News. <laughs> News you can use. Well, I, like, you know, I've always wondered, like, how much have as Russian disinformation played into our American stupidity and how much of it is just straight up organic American stupidity. I think it's all organic American stupidity that is just accelerated. Like it's put through a particle accelerator of foreign influence. I think of it like an amplifier, like, like the, oh, amps go to 11. Like we're turning, turning American idiotism to 11 and it turns uh, out oh, d- didn't you already have 10 when you invaded iraq and <laughs> afghanistan no it goes to 11 yeah like, no ours goes to 11 oh we're not wearing masks during a, <laughs> a during a pandemic we got distracted we did we're, hey you know what we can edit now so if that sucks <laughs> it's I, gone i it sort of felt like that the amount of power i had to tone my power my god complex way down when I started editing because it is sort of a philosophical, I was like, I hate what I said here. (laughs) Gone. (laughs) (laughs) And then suddenly you've just like erased yourself from the podcast. Yeah. It's just you talking to yourself for (laughs) like 40 minutes. That would Uh, be an awful podcast. 
but so really i i think the basis of what evan is saying here is that we're in an awkward moment where everyday people who aren't getting paid millions of dollars to play the sport are still playing the sport right and i'm gonna guess most of us aren't gonna get walter reed a whole wing (laughs) with 14 doctors and a hundred thousand dollars worth of stem cells yeah infusions of antibodies like not happening we're not gonna get that yeah we're not gonna get that health care so like if your 12 year old is saying daddy i gotta play hockey slap him in the mouth (laughs) don't hit your kids but seriously like slap him in the mouth no okay (laughs) don't hit your kids but you should firmly say not until this pandemic's over, Charlie. I, and like, it's hard because I also want to play hockey and I feel for every person that wants to play hockey and like just regain some semblance of normalcy, but it's not safe. Yeah. Like, I, it, it, it just, it can't be, there's no, I'm slipping into the point now where this is normal and when we go back to quote unquote normal, It'll be I'm weird. not, I'm not going to know what to do with myself and I'm not going to trust humans anymore. I mean, I sort of already didn't know what to do with myself in social situations yeah. anyways, but yeah, this will be worse. Yes. I trust maybe eight people right now with my <laughs> safety and that's a lot. Yeah. That's too many. Like when we go back to, into the world and I'm going to have to interact with people coming up and asking me questions again i'm going to be i'm going to put a spit shield up like it's a old country buffet (laughs) at my desk and i'm going to put duct tape on the floor and say you cannot cross this line yeah i'm just going to have like zoe additional wide eyes whenever someone enters my personal space for the first time they like lean into you at your desk and you're just like "Ah!" (laughs) yeah there was a while ago when we still had indoor bars this really drunk guy Gave me a hug. And I was just like, ah. <laughs> I would have slapped that man in the face. And like, like he was a 13-year-old son named Charlie wanting to play hockey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Charlie. You're not making it past the USHL. So once you get vaccinated, you can play all the sports you want. Until then, it's time for stick time in the basement mm-hmm. or in the driveway. Or if your dad is really cool and you live in a cold climate on the ice rink that he builds in your backyard. But yeah, now is a time for dope dads to step up. Think about just like shipping home some skates and, you know, if it's cold enough, go skate in the lagoon. Like that's some nice distance activity. Get to get on skates for the first time in a minute. Like that'd be awesome. Somebody else sees you out there skating and comes out and you're like, no, you're ruining it. And then I fight them. Yeah. Ooh. And then we do this podcast remotely from an Illinois jail. Is that like, uh, is that the source of the first hockey fight? It was like someone just didn't want to be bothered. on the I'm doing this to be alone. (laughs) I had a bad day. This is my quiet time. (laughs) We really need to move on. So, you know, we've spent some time talking about COVID and hockey and sports in general, which is, a very timely and also kind of heavy po- uh, subject. Mm-hmm. I think now we're 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 gonna we're gonna move into a, a little bit more difficult of a subject because I think one of the 
key things that we can do with this platform that we're building. And we have said numerous times that we are the Pacific Northwest soy boy lib cuck lib liberal podcast. Uh, since we are building a platform, we want to use that platform for good. And one of the ways that one of the things in sports that has always kind of troubled me, you know, I grew up in a relatively liberal household mm-hmm. Same was here. taught that, you know, humans in general are need to be respected. But, you know, I was raised by my mother while my father worked on the road. So always, always, taught that women need to be respected mm-hmm. and then when my dad came home he was like guess what women need to be respected and it was like <laughs> oh okay so both of you are saying that it's probably important and so recently i was i was in the comment section of an article and i as a person have to stop commenting on things um Same one here. because i don't have that kind of time and I'm trying to grow a podcast empire. I don't have that kind of time. Yeah, or just and, attention. Yes. And two, I always get myself in too deep. And three, I find that I'm always right on the internet. It's really weird. Isn't that a Sum 41 song? In always right on the internet. Yeah. They're probably two in separate Sum 41 for- yeah. songs. Yes. Always, always, right, <laughs> always on right on the internet and in too deep. The, the split B-side, but from Sum 41. I have it on uh, vinyl. So in this comment section, uh, it was it was an article about potential trade scenarios in the NHL. And one commenter posted, the, the he said that for lack of a better term, this potential trade, keep in mind, it's a trade that doesn't exist. Think about a trade. Yes. But a, a trade. A trade that isn't real. And he said, for lack of a better term, this would be a rape job the it's like I'm somebody a, when somebody says like not to be racist but yeah well i have a black friend i can't be racist <laughs> like or like no you still can i'm not trying to offend you you referred to them as your black friend no it's just like <laughs> like you know whatever whatever the subject is like my introduction already undercuts whatever i was going to say <laughs> yeah it's it's like the intro to everybody's whataboutism yeah that's that's perfect. That is right there. You hit it on the head. So myself and other people decried the use of that terminology. And in turn, I was told that one, that word slash phrase has been used in sports forever. Great excuse. Yeah. And to stop being a social justice warrior. Mm, terrible. Two things that come to mind from that. One question mark rape metaphors have been prominent in sports i won't disagree with that i what i will disagree with is that's in the commentariat you don't Mm -hmm. see people writing an espn or the athletic or the ringer or whatever talking about rape jobs at least anymore yes in the last 15 20 years 20 20 maybe i don't know I've been reading. I've been reading, been reading sports writing. That I, I've been reading sports writing a long time, and I can't remember a time when somebody used the phrase "rape job" or any other kind of sexual assault metaphor in that writing. So I mean, maybe like Deadspin. It, yeah, maybe. But R.I.P. If they're not using it in the writing, why are you using it in the comments section? Two, if that was real, if 
sexual assault and rape terminology was commonplace in sports. Why are we still using that language? Why are people holding on to the ability and calling people social justice warriors for decrying that use of language in sports or in general, but especially in sports, which guess what? In the long run, don't matter at all. Right. So it's a game. It's they're all games. Let's not turn it into rape games. Like that's not okay. So my point here is, and I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent and I apologize ahead of time. No, I fully support this. Like I I actually don't apologize at all. So we, I, I'm an English major. I have a master's degree in English. There are 170,000 words in the English language. And the best these schmucks can think of to compare a potentially lopsided trade that doesn't even exist is to use rape metaphors? The answer is no. We can do better and should expect better from both those who write and prognosticate about sports and the commentariat. Those of us who are commenting on sports articles or videos or whatever should hold ourselves to an acceptable level of conduct. I can't remember in the, like I'm 36, so probably 20 years I've been reading sports writing where a sports writer made light of or used used language to compare sports, anything that happened in sports to felonious sexual assault or misconduct. Mm-hmm. And, and we just saw one recently. get dismissed for making a joke about his uh, uh, co-workers. Yeah, fuck Jeremy <laughs> Roenick, you piece of shit. I was actually on a Facebook article about him the other day, and people were like, Jeremy Roenick for president. I'm like, first off, he's Canadian. Second off, no, actually, he's not. He's American. But he's still a piece yeah. of shit. Uh, and I hope Catherine Tappan beats him up the next time she sees him. But, like... I mean, it was a it was a dumb bro comment. I'm glad it got taken. It was a I, dumb bro comment I'm that was going got, to be posted worldwide. Right. Like, I'm glad knew, it got the heavy heavy. He knew the audience that was going to happen. Right. Fuck Jeremy Roenick. Jr. is a piece of shit. Well, I also think that that's who he is. Yeah, and piece of shit. No, like that type of comment. Like I think that's actually his mo. And, and he that was, MO is wrong and awful. Right. And he was toning it. Like, I think he did a lot of like kind of censoring himself on NBC in general. I mean that, you know, I don't know if maybe you could also see that or if other people could also see that, but I always felt like this guy's a bit scummy and he's holding it together on air. He's always like, three internal pauses away from being like, ah, oh, Catherine Tappan, I tap that ass. That's why her name Tappan. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a, a fantasy hockey team. He's such a scum fuck. <laughs> Anyways, I guess the point I'm trying to make is why do some fans think it's okay to continue to use this language or defend those who use it? We're seven years beyond the Ray Rice punching and knocking out his wife cold cocked in an elevator like we're seven years past that for much of that time we have been viewing those incidents and other incidents of gross like neglect and abuse towards women in a light 
we've been sh- trying to shine that light on those leagues and force them to address that. We had Austin Watson in the NHL, who mm-hmm. I believe, if I remember correctly, punched his girlfriend, was suspended for half a year, probably should have been more, probably should have never played in the NHL again. Well, you have like Slava Voinov. Yeah. So like we ha- we have, we've been getting better in this new era of treatment of women by athletes and also treatment of women in general. So this is, we're in a new era. It's not about being a social justice warrior when you rally against language that is horribly offensive to like, let's not forget that a large percentage of the women in this country have either been raped or sexually assaulted or had some sort of sexual misconduct happen against them or have narrowly avoided that yes through skill and like or, de- or and like, or determination like like an adroit sense of oh the shit's about to go down right like, like i talked to my mom or all of my aunts during brett kavanaugh and or sorry i talked to my mom during the brett kavanaugh proceedings and she was like yeah i totally have this same story and i talked to my sisters and they all have that same story too yes and we all still know these guys names yeah, how how can you forget these uh, these incredibly traumatic and awful things that yeah, have happened absolutely. to you? And so, even if you're only doing it for the women who might be reading those comments, to make sure that they don't end up reading a sport, the comments on a sports article, and reliving their traumatic experience, just that alone is reason enough to not use this sort of language outside of the whole like it's fucking awful reason (laughs) but like let's think of people who have gone through these awful traumatic experiences who relive them in their heads every day who just want to use sports like there's this whole like I use sports to escape. Like I use sports to get away from the real world. I don't yeah. even need to say it with that voice. Like, like we all do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like abusing sports to get out of, you know, COVID fucking loneliness. Yes. Like, it, <laughs> but like, guess what? Everybody. Exactly. Uses like, everybody that, who is a sports fan uses sports for that. That only reinforces that you so, need to make it. Like, let's make it inclusive and all. acceptable. So like that people and I'm yelling now, but like this is a fucking sham and I'm so it's worth yelling about. Yeah, it's yeah, like stop being a fuck boy. Grow well, up a little bit. Being wait, being, yeah. being a fuck boy. That's one thing. Using rape terminology to describe sports is another thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. OK. The Venn fuck di- boy was the wrong. The, Ven- term. Whoa, the Venn diagram may be. Overlap significantly. <laughs> but you it's know, like the Venn diagram of people who peaked in high school and people who aren't wearing masks. Well, like it's I just won't even circle. pretend to not be guilty of a shitty, you know, sports rape comment at some point in my life. Like I can't remember specifically saying something like that, but I'm can vaguely remember saying or like thinking that and so i'm sure i fucking said it at one point and i'm sorry like i i you know wish i i'm sure i've made some comment and i wish i can just go back and just snatch the words out of my mouth you know we've all 
we've all been there. We've all made linguistic mistakes, you know, language mistakes. My more recent ones that I can remember are of different ilk, but the feeling is the same. And frankly, we can do better. You know, we, we as sports fans, as hockey players, as someone that has played with with trans people and women, it's not it's not a done deal. You know, working for inclusivity, especially in in the hockey playing space, I think is is going to be a work in progress for a long time. And and you know, it's it's something I'm passionate about. I guess it's sort of a pet project is like how to make more people comfortable playing hockey. And I think this, you know, this is one changing the language is how you change a culture. I think a therapist said this to me at one point. It was like, if you can name something, if you can, you know, bring it from one side of the brain to the other, I forget which side is which, but you know, one is language, one is sort of images and, and abstract ideas. Like if you name something that gives you control over, if you can name bigotry in your head yeah either one you know it 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 makes it easier i think to get rid of and to 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 deal with there's a road forward for us as a culture as and that culture being sports Mm -hmm. fans or athletes uh loosely terming myself an athlete but (laughs) (laughs) we take lots of liberty with that yeah yeah i got i do no no i play hockey i'm an athlete but i think I wheezed my way through two minutes of, ro- of middle division roller hockey. I'm an athlete. I are, I are athlete. <laughs> yes. You know what, Evan? Like I definitely am in the same boat. I know that there have been times when I have said heinous shit. Mm-hmm. And the hope is that as we grow, we continue to evolve. As we age, mm-hmm. we continue to evolve. As humans, evolution is part of our how we got to where we are mm-hmm. and how we can move forward. And one of those things, if we want to make hockey and sports in general, a more inclusive sport, we need to open up those spaces and have the conversations about, okay, why aren't there a lot of people in color in hockey? Why aren't we promoting the women's game? Like we do the men's game. Why aren't there more women watching and reading about sports? This is that first step is getting rid of this bigoted, misogynistic language and replacing it with language that already exists in those 170,000 words in the English language and incorporating that language. One of the things that somebody said was, was, you know what the term is for a trade like this? Being fleeced. Fleeced is a term that has been used for decades to describe a lopsided trade that team got fleeced and the person who said rape job said i've never heard that terminology before <laughs> <laughs> and i was just okay, like they had to be just fucking with uh, you at that, that or they are adult and i mean i think i pretended on the internet to not have a car the other day just to make a point like <laughs> I, I think they were just doing that to you or how when i first moved here the big thing was like, oh, I don't have a TV, but they were all watching Hulu on their fucking laptops. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't have a TV. I have a 32-inch monitor. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> Guess what? Office reruns are the same on every size screen. But yeah, it, it, when people say social justice warrior as like a pejorative, 
I kind of love it because like, what what are you? You know, are you a social injustice warrior? Like, is that the, <laughs> you know, do you actually actively try and promote people getting fucked over? I like, saw the, no, it, it's for all trying for fairness, man. I saw this meme on the internet the other day and it was, do racists go, oh God, my open-minded uh, uncle is coming over this for the holidays. <laughs> And I was like, "That, yeah, really." Does as as a, a as a family, my family as uh, we're a family of teachers and union workers and progressive thinking, liberal thinking, liberal leaning peoples. We don't have the. We thankfully don't have the creepy uncle who like <laughs> comes to Christmas and says racist things. So like, but I wonder if on the flip side of that are there families who are like super curmudgeonly racist and they're like, Oh God, (laughs) our uncle who went to RISD is coming over. (laughs) I can tell you I'm, I'm the liberal pain in the ass that like goes to Christmas. Like my, my extended family is sort of like suburban Minnesotan. And God bless you for it. I think we, as, and I don't want to talk about we, the people, but so like we, the people sitting in this room, you know, we both, grew up in areas that were maybe not as progressive as we would have liked. And we moved to Portland probably a little bit because of that. Oh yeah. And, and you know, Portland also has its own problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, so let's not You're pretend. sort of soul of false bill of goods. Yeah. So let's, <laughs> Oh, you moved to this liberal panacea. Oh, surprise. Yeah. It's actually secretly racist. Yeah. And Maybe worse off. Not (laughs) even so secretly racist. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe worse racist than where you came from. Yes. So. Oh. Oh no. Definitely not worse racist than where I came from. But it's just different. It's a different racist. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's more nimbyism than like in your face. We came from different flavors of racism. I, I, I think coming from these traditionally conservative areas, both with liberal families in those traditional conservative areas, we see this podcast like we don't want to preach to anybody no but empathizing if you're gonna listen to us understand that from time to time we're gonna get on a pedestal and talk about (laughs) how guess what rape culture is bad so in closing from this 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 kind of segment and this is something that you know maybe in the future we'll do a lot more research and it won't just be like us waxing poetic about how yeah, I'm finding myself like wanting a definition for rape culture. Yeah. Ugh. And well, I, it, it's probably on Urban Dictionary somewhere. I'd say as I come to terms with my own traumas in my life, it's it's about trauma and it's about yeah. inflicted trauma and we don't need to be inflicting trauma on other people and we don't need to be re-inflicting it with our words after the fact in sports. Like, and people talk about safe spaces and like, I guess my dream is that sports would be a safe space for everybody. And I think that's what, you know, most people want it to be is safety from whatever BS you have going on in your life, whatever personal fights you have. If we want it to be escapism, it Mm -hmm. has to be escapism for everyone. Right. Why exclude people when you can pull them up into it? And why exclude people when you can easily choose another word? Right. Yeah, we can do better. And, you know, I'm sure people talk about, you know, saying the wrong thing the first time. It's okay to catch yourself. It's okay to just say, you know what? 
that's the wrong way to put that. I it, I apologize. Yeah, that, like that. that is a phrase that we as a people can say more frequently. You know what? Uh, I dropped agree. the ball there. I apologize. Let me try and do this again. Or just and like, most people yeah. will give you that avenue and that room to try again. And so, you know what? Honestly, we all slip up. We all have slips of the tongue. But we want each other to be better. And as teammates in a goal for making sports more inclusive. Yeah. And I think in doing so, we bring more people into the sport that we love and it grows and becomes better because of it. I think at this point, that's that's the thing. We're trying to grow the sport and make more people comfortable. You don't have to give up anything in order to make that no. change. It's a couple of words. Yeah, I completely agree. Thanks for listening, everybody. Like we're, I think this is somewhere. Yeah, we're, everybody knows this we, is nowhere. I just definitely quoted a Neil Young album cup title. So <laughs> we're, we're clearly done. It's a good pull. Thank, thank you for listening. We're going to get better at this. We're going to try and get this out to more people. Uh, but thank you so much for listening, whoever you are. We're really thrilled to have you around. And hopefully uh, our liberalism doesn't piss you off. Yeah. And, you know, it, if it does, let's hear about it. We'll, we'll put some contact info out somehow and we can get I'm some gonna fan, put, we can get some hate mail and we can respond. We'll uh, put uh we'll put Evan's cell phone number up on the website. Ooh, enough, <laughs> enough enough hate already comes to that number. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> From our families. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but thanks everybody. Have a wonderful evening and weekend and take care. Adios.